4: All right, let's do it. It's another edition of the AFC West Mixtape. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. I'm joined by Michael Peterson, Bolts from the Blue, Bill Williamson, Silver and Black Pride, and Tim Lynch of Mile High Report. And before we get into what will be a really good show where we talk about uh, status updates of each and every team, our team's MVPs to to this point in the season, preview the weekend of games, and, and talk about what the record of our teams could be heading into what will be October and then November. And as we go, but I, I think the main theme of the AFC West right now is this idea that all of us did it. All four of us did it. We were smiling when we had our first episode. We said that this division was going to be one of the best in NFL history. We were pretty certain about that. And I would tell you, and I think you'd all agree that this first month of the season uh, has been quite humbling in, in a sense for each and every team. Every team in this room has at least one loss. Bill still looking for the Raiders first yeah. win here. And, and it has just been and Bill, I'll go to you. It's been, I think a humbling experience for all of us in, in September.
2: Yeah. Surprising certainly uh, for the Raiders we talked about, and and I was blowing this division up just as much as anybody. And, you know, uh, it's now what are they, a combined, what, five and seven or something, under 500, right? Um, but it's just kind of look at the league. Uh, there's one undefeated team right now. We're not even, you know, just going into October. So that's why I think the Raiders can say, okay, we'll, we'll just get a win on our belts. Let's taste that victory. And then just take it one week at a time. So I don't know. You know, I know this, the numbers are there that there's only, since 1970, there's only been – Six teams in NFL history that started 0 3 to make the playoffs. And that's where they are. And that's the, you know, that's the mountain they, the mountain they are facing. But I, I think the Chiefs losing gives them last week, gives them a little bit of a, okay, it's not so bad. You know, we're only two games out of this thing. Um, and I, you know, so it just takes one win. Again, being 0 3 is not ideal. They're not in good shape. Um, they have to figure out how to win. But the league is real. There's parity is is what's happening right now more than more than we've seen in recent years.
4: Bill, we'll we'll keep it with you as we begin the first discussion here on the AFC West mi- mixtape, and it's going to be a little bit of a game. We're we're going for a status update of each team, and so we're going to ask each editor mm-hmm. to pick one word to describe their team? And and since we've already begun talking about the Raiders, Bill, uh, we'll keep it with you. What is your one word to describe where the Raiders are at right now?
2: I would have to say stunning. It's stunning that they're 0-3. You know, there was a report out of Pro Football Network by you know Aaron Wilson, who's a a well-respected reporter this week, talking about their problems and saying sources are saying, oh, maybe this is a team that just – it's the roster. I I don't buy that at all. I mean, this is a team that – Went out and they won 10 games last year. They got Devontae Adams, arguably the best uh, wide receiver in football. They went out and got Chandler Jones, a guy that they handpicked, gave big-time guaranteed money to, who fits their system, who's played for them be- in the past in New England. And they gave a bunch of money to the team's core, you know, Waller and Carr and Crosby and Renfro, and he gave them a three-year deal. It's for a three-year window here. This is they they entered this season thinking they could win and thinking they have a big chance at the postseason. So I don't want to hear anything about the roster. That's why it's stunning that they're 0-3. It's didn't see it coming.
4: So we'll we'll go from last to what will be first as as we go through this. So the Raiders are 0-3. Michael, we'll go to you. The Chargers are one and two. What is your one word to describe the Chargers right now? Uh
0: pain. Pain <laughs> is probably. The best word. So not only are Chargers fans in pain watching their uh, their phenomenal team, or at least on paper, go one and two, um, get absolutely smacked by the Jaguars by a score of 38 to 10. Um, a lot of the players on the Chargers are also in pain physically, um, probably a little bit emotionally as well. Uh, guys like Rashawn Slater, all pro as a rookie last year, left tackle. He's out for the year with a torn bicep, lasted just two and a half games. Joey Bosa was recently placed on IR. He's having groin surgery to replace a a tear he has down there. Um, So at least four weeks out, probably going to miss more time than that. Uh, Keenan Allen, their number one wide receiver, Uh, pulled up with a non-contact hamstring injury in week one, missed the Chiefs game, missed the Jaguars game. And then just as of, you know, a day or two ago, it was reported that he left practice early walking with a trainer, which probably isn't a good sign at all. Um, And then as of today as well, him and Corey Lindsley, you know, their former All-Pro center, they paid big big money to um, just two years ago. Uh, Both of those players were not seen on the practice field to begin practice, the open portion uh, to the media. And then like all of that is to say, Justin Herbert is also dealing with a lot of pain. He has a fractured rib cartilage, which the only positive part of that was that it wasn't an actual rib that was fractured. It's a, it's cartilage. So it means he can play through it, but it's not something that's going to get healed during the season. Um, right. he's going to have to wait until off season to have an extended period of time and rest to make sure that goes away. So he is essentially playing this entire season in some form of pain. They can do whatever they want to mitigate it. He'll have an injection every week, which is super scary in and of itself, you know, based on the history of this team, knowing that that doctor is still unfortunately employed by the chargers um it's just tough and i still haven't even mentioned jc jackson they gave 80 million dollars to him during the offseason he's played one game it was against the chiefs and he allowed a touchdown that really swung that game in the chief's favor to justin watson who at the time was correct me if i'm wrong the fourth or fifth wide receiver on the chief's team you know uh, it was his first game back get his sea legs under him but it just wasn't unfortunately the the debut people wanted from him um and then uh, let's not even talk about the run game. Fifty nine yards per game on the ground, uh, right. worst in the NFL by I think at least twenty or so yards. Um, the run game is non existent. You can't have a balanced offense that way, and so you are putting the entire pressure of the basically the team's success on Justin Herbert, who is already, like I said, dealing with a major injury that won't go away anytime soon. So pain really does seem to be the right word right now for the Chargers.
4: Just one question before we mm-hmm. head to Tim Lynch of of Mile High Report, Michael if there's one theme that really describes the Chargers over what feels like the last half a decade to a decade it's this injury thing i yeah. i guess my, I'm wondering how how frustrated is the fan base right now that this continues to happen year in and year out
0: yeah i mean it's definitely frustrating but at some point frustrated frustration excuse me has to turn into like almost jadedness almost like numbness because at some point it happens every year. And are you going to like allow yourself as you know, for your mental health to, to be upset about it and to get upset like you do, um, you know, every other year, sometimes you just kind of have to let it ride and, and be numb to it. It's it's just really unfortunate, like you said, I'd say it's the better part of a decade, which that they've dealt with this type of injury history. Um, 2018 was the last time they were in the playoffs before that was 2013. Um, and the the year in twenty eighteen, the only real injury they had that year was tight end Hunter Henry. They had Virgil Green as their starting tight end that whole year, but they won twelve games. They won the the uh, wild card round against the Ravens. Um, it was a really solid year, and and that's kind of what I always felt the Chargers have been as long as they can stay somewhat healthy. Like one injury, it's a, what all NFL teams deal with is fine, but when you have several injuries that kind of snowball. And then there are two, the team's most important players like Rashawn Slater, like Joey Bosa, that's really tough to come back from. And if you don't have the depth then unfortunately that can really derail a season. And unfortunately it was three weeks until the Chargers are now dealing with this. Right. So it's happening again. All right, it's let's happening. go
4: to Broncos country. Let's
3: ride with, with Tim Lynch, Tim, what, what would you describe the year as so far for you? I think the only word I could come up with was confusion. Because we, you know, a month ago we were just talking about how Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett were going to fix the offense. It's going to be an offensive team, finally after you know seven, eight years, um, Denver was going to have some offense again. Uh, instead, we've we've got a one of the best defenses in the league, and the offense is absolutely terrible. Mm. Um, but they're winning games, so you know I can't complain. Um, I think at this point it's clear that. going to be some growing pains uh with russell wilson learning a new system with with hackett um but the the luxury we have in denver right now is uh, we, we clearly have one of the best defenses in the nfl they've given up six points in the second half in three games um i think they're the best second half football team on defense in the nfl according to football outsiders um so they're just gonna have to lean on the defense it's not sustainable uh but at this point we're just trying to buy time you know they're just trying to buy time to get the offense going Get some success there. Get Russell Wilson in some rhythm, because um, they're going to need that offense to beat teams like the Chiefs, the Chargers, and frankly even the Raiders. I'm I'm a bit worried about uh, Denver facing a an 0 and 3 team. Uh, that's that's never a fun thing for for any team to face because those those winless teams that have a good roster tend to be a little dangerous.
4: Yeah, the Raiders, of course, will. Host the Broncos this weekend. We'll talk about that game in, in in just a little bit here. So you have the Raiders at zero and three, the Chargers one and two, the Broncos are two and one, haven't looked necessarily great in, in their wins. The Chiefs are also two and one, coming off a very disappointing outing against the Indianapolis Colts. They didn't really play all that well against the Chargers, but were able to get that win. Their best game was Week One, but it's now been two weeks since that. My word for the Chiefs right now is concerned. I think I think similarly to Denver, I think in Kansas City, we thought the defense and how young they were would be the question. But the question has really been the offense. And there was a lot of hype in Kansas City about how the post Tyreek Hill era would be fine because of Patrick Mahomes. And if you look past Travis Kelsey, none of these receivers that they brought in, be it Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, you mentioned Justin Watson, the rookie and Sky Moore. No one has really stepped up to this point as being a reliable target and someone that Mahomes can go to after Kelsey. And I I think you're seeing them struggle because of it. This last game was marred by special teams mistakes and offensive mistakes, and the offensive line has been a concern. The Chiefs really felt that their offensive line would be a strength, and it has not been. Recently, the the Colts were getting pressure and having Mahomes run for his life all game. And I, I think the big question is, in a in a super bowl or, or bus city, which is the Chiefs have become now after you know going to four straight AFC title games, I think there's a question of is this really a Super Bowl team, a Super Bowl roster? And I think for me, I think the word is concerned because I, I'm I'm wondering if this team can actually get to get to that level again. And I think we all can agree what has been interesting is we thought the AFC West would be the class of the AFC and you have these other teams emerging like the Jacksonville Jaguars, like the Miami Dolphins, who really do feel like playoff teams. And that means that there'll be less wild card spots for teams like maybe the Chiefs if they're not in first place or a Raiders team that's that's battling back from 0-3. From and, and so really interesting, I think, turn of events in a sense that we thought. OK, the AFC West is going to be the the premier division, and it just has not been the case so far. And I think we all have reasons uh, for for saying that. All right. We'll move on to our next part of the discussion. And we're talking about individual players here. Here we'll snake back around. So we'll go back to Tim. Tim, we're talking about MVPs to this point. So of all the players on the team, which player would you credit most for this two in one record?
3: Yeah, I thought about this one for a bit, and I had to come to Bradley Chubb. Um, okay. you know, the Broncos selected him fifth overall ahead of Josh Allen. Um, he hasn't really stayed healthy in his career. He had one a great rookie season, but uh, hasn't really caught on with the fans. Even like a lot of fans, if you mm-hmm. ask them, they're okay with just letting him walk uh, without an extension. Uh, but he's really been the the guy since Von Miller left, and when when the team added uh, Randy Gregory. Those two are feeding off each other. They're really getting after the quarterback, and then you have Draymond Jones inside, who's also getting pressure. Uh, that's really what's creating the wins is the pressure up front, getting pressure on the quarterback. It's causing turnovers. It's keeping them from from the other team from sustaining drives. Um, and I, I really think it's Chubb's leadership um, and play, of course, that's resulting in in the defense really being one of the best in the league through three games. So that's that'd be my MVP through you know, for the 2 and one start for the team.
4: Yeah, I think what's going to be interesting about this discussion and, and somewhere where we can probably all all agree is I, I think we we all felt like the quarterbacks would be the MVP to this point, and I don't think any of us is going to have a quarterback uh, as an as an answer. Michael, we'll, we'll continue with you, and and might not even be Herbert's fault. He's just been playing injured, but I, I, I can't imagine Herbert
0: is your MVP through the first month. Yeah, so... Even despite the, the, I don't know, lesser than type play we've seen from Herbert in three weeks, um, he's dealing with an injury. Like you said, it's not necessarily his fault. Um, I think you could still make a case for him to be the team's MVP simply because of kind of how I mentioned earlier. There is no run game. There is no rushing attack. There's nothing to help balance out the offense. There's nothing for him to lean on. The offense essentially is him um, if, if they want to be successful as of right now. But I didn't want to pick Justin Herbert no matter what case I can make for him because um, I think the other guy that needs recognition is Khalil Mack. I think this mm. was one of the best signings or one of the best, I guess, you know, moves made this offseason to bring in a guy who, yeah, was hurt last year. A lot of people said he was washed. He was going to be too old. Um, He's not going to be the same guy. Well, he came out in week one, which at this point, you know, it looks like a least impressive win, you know, with each week that comes. But it is their only win so far this season. He played a big part in making that happen. He had three sacks. He had three tackles for loss. He had another sack um, against the Chiefs. That was a half sack. They turned into a full one. So he's at four right now. He's tied for second in the league in sacks, I think, with, you know, I think five people. He's also tied for second in the NFL with four tackles for loss, has a forced fumble. So he's been – really kind of a cornerstone for that defense and that pass rush that really was pretty bad last year. Um, They came into this season, obviously with what a lot of people probably say was the best edge rushing duo in the league in him and Bosa. Unfortunately that duo lasted two and a half games for Bosa's groin injury. And you kind of saw that without Bosa uh, Jacksonville did a very good job of mitigating max rush in week three. He didn't have any sack um, unfortunately against Trevor Lawrence, but still has really good numbers so far. This early in the season, has not only been a good pass rusher, but he's also one of the only edge rushers, I think, joining Jalen Phillips of the mm. Dolphins. I want to say he's the only one to be uh, top ten in both pass rush win rate and run the stop win rate by ESPN's metrics, uh, which is phenomenal. I mean, I know a lot of people measure things differently, PFF to ESPN, but being in two different top tens, you know, is still worthy of note. So he's been an all around great player. Um, and so, besides the quarterback Mac, most definitely is the team's MVP so far.
4: I made this joke on, on Twitter, and this is actually the perfect place to regurgitate it here, but the Khalil Mack Bears tenure feels like very Randy Moss Raiders. Like, no one is ever really going to talk about it because he does seem to just be back now. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's a point, as you were making, that the Chargers won their game because of the game that he played in, in, that, in that game. And I think when you do have injuries, you got to rely upon your stars. So I like the Khalil Mack pick uh, there from Michael Peterson of Bolts from the Blue. Bill, we'll continue with you again, not too much to be happy about right now with the, the, winless Raiders, but who has been your best player?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's a hard thing to pick an MVP and 0-3 team, right? But it's easy just to say the best player and same theme here, you know, pass rusher, uh, Max Crosby, he has been their best mm. player. You, you, you would think Devonte Adams is, should be the best player, but the offense is having its issues and I can't go there. So Crosby the thing about Crosby is he's a really underrated player I know he made the Pro Bowl last year and he he was Pro Bowl defensive MVP whatever that means so he's a known player but I don't think he gets enough credit I think this guy is legit top 10 defensive player no matter you know all any layer of the defense um he's never been a real sack guy but he's a huge pressure guy he does have two sacks in in three games and that's better than I mean he's on a nice pace here um but he's always has pressure he led the nfl in pressures last year and he's become a really good run stopper and it's just an incredible player who was a fourth round pick and i know the previous regime magruden and mayock get a lot of crap and they've earned it for (laughs) their bad drafting but this guy was a gem and he's and he's just a motor guy and he's tremendous
4: yeah, a lot of people are are in Kansas City hoping that George Karloftis, their first round pick, yeah. ends up ends up being similar to to what Crosby is, is doing in in Vegas. Uh, when I get to the Chiefs MVP, it, it's it's funny, right? Because you know you you talk about the quarterbacks, and this this division has such talented quarterbacks, and Patrick Mahomes is is widely regarded among the elites. But I I can't give it to Mahomes. I I feel like he is struggling a little bit to gel with this offensive line. I, I'd mentioned that. Uh, Aside from the first game where he was magnificent and won AFC Player of the Week, he was a little bit more, uh, I think, mundane in the the following two games, and he really hasn't been uh, someone that has propelled the Chiefs. It's been more their defense. I was going to pick Chris Jones, but then everyone and their mother saw what Chris Jones did on Sunday against the Indianapolis Colts, I mean, he's played really well, but how could you give... Him the MVP when he cost the Chiefs the game by saying whatever he did to Matt Ryan and, and drawing a flag, and that was one of the many reasons they lost against the Colts. Travis Kelsey's been another good player, but he dropped a, a touchdown in the end zone that would have beat the Indianapolis Colts. So, lesser no name, I, I think, for people nationally, but for me, this this MVP has been Nick Bolton, and he, he's the Mike linebacker for the Chiefs. He has the green dot, he calls the defenses, and the Chiefs lost Anthony Hitchens. Uh, this past offseason, and Bolton has really stepped into that position. We know about the suspension to Willie Gay Jr., suspended last game. He'll be suspended for another three games stemming from an arrest that happened in January, and he's been able to, I think, bring his replacement in Darius Harris, the weak side linebacker. He's been able to bring him along. Bolton has 22 tackles. He leads the team. He led the team last year. He had two sacks. He had what should have been the game-clinching sack against the Indianapolis Colts before Chris Jones did what he did. But I just think... Bolton has propelled the defense and these younger players to play well. Jalen Watson is a defensive back that has come out of the seventh round and he's played really well, and I, I just think the communication has been there, and for the team's top unit, I think Bolton has been their best player, and so for me, I think he gets the MVP for right now, and, and we'll see if uh, October maybe brings us some more offensive MVPs, because if, if you noticed, all four of the MVPs were, were defense, and Man, to think about that going into the season, we would have all called each other crazy. Like, what do you mean? It's not Justin Herbert or Mahomes or or Devontae Adams or what would be Russ Wilson. And it's just, hey, that's why they play the games. It's another cliche that we always use, but uh, I think it's relevant here.
1: Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
4: All right, let's get into our next part of the podcast, the AFC West Mixtape, Episode 2. We're going to preview uh, the the weekend, and we'll start here because it's our only AFC West matchup. And I'll go back to you, Tim. Uh, You talked about the game a little bit uh, already the Broncos playing the winless Raiders. What is your prevailing thought heading into this weekend?
3: Uh, my prevailing thought as a fan is this is a must win game against Josh McDaniels more than anything. I hate mm-hmm. the Raiders, but know his turn ter- uh, tenure in Denver was so toxic. Uh, fans universally does not do not like the man. Um, so to lose to McDaniels, see his smug face being all happy. <laughs> I would just, it would be, it'd be brutal. I, I, it'd kill me. But, um, the problem is, is the Raiders are on three and they're desperate. You know, they, like you said, they won 10 games last year, went to the playoffs. This is not a bad team. Um, they, I believe, they had a players only meeting. You know, that's kind of a mixed bag sometimes in terms of, you know, whether or not it does anything. Um, but I'm worried and I'd hate for the Broncos to lose a game here but I I haven't seen anything from their offense to really give me much hope. Uh, They've actually regressed since the start of the season. I think they had one three and out heading into last week, and now they're top five in the NFL in three and outs. I think they had like eight of them (laughs) last week um, alone. So, you know, there's a lot of concerns there. I know they're going to work through it. They're going to keep grinding. But at some point, the defense isn't going to be able to keep up its historic, you know, two point two points per half second half you know like that's just it's not sustainable eventually they're going to give up a touchdown in the second half and in the games that they've been in so far that's that's an l you know so and the the raiders are going to come in desperate i just i'm not i'm not liking this game i'm going to hope for a win but i would not be surprised at all if if the raiders get their first win of the season and then have broncos fans just freak out <clears throat> that the, their season's now over because they lost to the Raiders on the road.
4: <laughs> Tim, what what do you think the biggest problem has been with the offense? Because you watch these games closer than, than any of us and, and any of the fans, certainly around the, the division uh, so far.
3: I think it's just Russell Wilson's not comfortable in, with what he's seeing. Um, mm. You know, yeah. being in a new system, um, learning all the plays, being able to anticipate where players are going to be, that kind of chemistry. Mm it'll come. Um, I don't see anything like let's comparing it to like last year with, or the year before with drew lock. Um, you know, the issue there was you, you didn't have a good quarterback. <laughs> Russell right. Wilson is a good quarterback. He's just not comfortable yet. And he doesn't want to just throw the ball up a YOLO it get intercepted. So he's taken the nice safe plays, you know, and it's just not, that's not his game. You know, right. Russell Wilson's a deep ball guy. Um, so I think it'll come. I just don't think it's going to come by Sunday. So that's why I'm worried about the Raiders um, because at some point the Raiders are going to get it together, even in spite of their, their head coach.
4: Bill, let's go to you. This is the season, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, wasn't last week the season, you know, <laughs> every week, um, every week, it, it
4: seems it, like right now.
2: That's what we're talking about in Tennessee, two O oh, and two teams, two teams that made the playoffs last year and started oh and two. And that was the theme. So we gotta, we gotta admit that that this is already desperate times. And um, but again, the, the division's wide open, so the Raiders are feeling. The Raiders aren't themselves aren't feeling out of it. But yeah, the winning has to start. And this is a team that's interesting. This is the third straight week they're favorite. They they have not played tough teams. This mm-hmm. isn't one of those things to say. Okay, well, once the season, the schedule eases up, the three teams that they've lost to. Are, what, are zero and two in their other games. And they've lo- And those teams have lost those games by a combined uh, average of 16 points. So the Raiders aren't playing the league's killer. So they have to figure the, it out for themselves. And um, I think it's really going to come down to the Raiders' offense against the Broncos' defense because of the four of the primary you know, positions, uh, units, The Raiders' offense and defense have been good, and as Tim said, the Broncos' offense hasn't been good, but the Broncos' defense has. So that's the key. The Raiders are going to have to figure it out against that defense. And it's going to be really interesting in the red zone as well. The Raiders have struggled both offensively and defensively in the red zone. The Broncos have struggled offensively in the red zone. So something's going to have to give, and I, I'm really going to think it's going to come down to when the Raiders have the ball. Can they score and figure it out? Yeah, a close game, low scoring, close game.
4: The the losses for the Raiders have come against the Chargers, the Cardinals, and the Tennessee Titans, and that's a, a big game because I I think you're looking at two teams that are really searching for their identity. And as far as who wins, I mean, that team is going to be feeling. Either in the Raiders' case, I feel like the Raiders will come out and be, be saying, "Look, we can get something going now. We got a division sure. win. It's all in front of us. The Chiefs have a loss, so you know, so too to, to the, the Broncos, and that would be their second loss as well. And then Denver, I think, in, in beating the Raiders, I, sure, it hasn't been pretty, but then you're coming out of that game, you're three and one, and I, you got to be feeling pretty good uh, about your outlook at there. All right, let's go ar- around the AFC West and, and continue with the Chargers. They'll be heading to Houston to take on the Texans. Michael, what is your take
0: on this game? Well, before last week, I would have said that this was going to be a cakewalk Um, leading up Mm -hmm. to the Jaguars game. I said that was the start of the Chargers soft part of their schedule because I thought the second half of their schedule looked really tough. And I felt they needed to come away from the first two weeks splitting the AFC West games and then kind of essentially doing their best to win out until the bye week to take advantage of uh, a little bit of that um, cushion prior to that tough second half of their schedule. But after the Chargers, you know, got their tail handed to them by the Jaguars, um, I'm not looking at any game as easy. I'm not looking at any game as uh, or any opponents soft anymore, just because like we've come to learn the NFL is unpredictable. You just never know what's going to happen. But I'll tell you one thing about this game Uh, between these two teams. I'm calling this matchup uh, a stoppable force meets Hmm. a movable object. (laughs) And that's because the chargers right now, I think I said it earlier, but they average a league low 59 yards per uh, game on the ground while the Houston run defense averages allowing 202.3 yards per game on the ground. Now you look at those numbers and you're like, something's got to give, are the chargers going to finally figure it out with Austin Eckler and company? Or is Houston going to figure out how to finally like shut the door on a ground game? Um, so that's going to be really interesting to see uh, one of the big things going into this matchup is that Rashawn Slater is out so the Chargers did have to figure out their their plan B at left tackle well um, instead of trotting out Storm Norton again who had eight pressures allowed in one half against the Jaguars uh, a week ago they finally learned their lesson on Norton and are going to try Jamari Sawyer a rookie six round rookie out of Georgia out there left tackle he's been a guard essentially since before he was drafted he was training to be a guard in the NFL he's been a, a a left guard specifically through OTAs and training camp and up to this point. But he did start for the Georgia Bulldogs last year on route to helping them uh, to the national title. So he's got experience and comfort and familiarity out on the blind side. And so the Chargers felt that just saying right away before the, the, the week even really got underway that Sawyer's going to start a left tackle and we're hopefully that's going to um, help mitigate the damage from Slater's absence. Uh, I'm not sure what to expect in this game overall. I think it's going to be low scoring um, unless uh, offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi kind of figures out his own problems Uh, twice so far after games, uh, week one and then following the Jaguars game. Joe Lombardi has essentially come out and said you know, he got either too conservative or he wasn't really pushing the gas as much as he could um, or he was playing more not to lose than to win against the Raiders uh, that second half was very yeah. much run run pass tried to to hold on to that lead and you saw how close the Raiders were able to kind of push there at the end and then to begin the game against the Jaguars and yeah Justin Herbert has his rib injury um, but right away, I mean, besides just the the frequent three and outs, and then they also had back to back drives with a fumble and an interception. He said that I played too conservative. You know, I was worried about Justin Herbert, and it really hurt right. our momentum to begin that game. So that's not a good sign either. Joe Lombardi, the rhetoric on him whether he's the right guy for Herbert is kind of gone back and forth. But he himself has at least shown um, the acknowledgement to say that hey, I can do better. and And he said, "quote like It's not going to happen going forward." So hopefully, in this game, we do see a little more vintage um, Justin Herbert because I don't think this offense and this team in general is going to succeed without it. Um, I recently was looking up some stats real quick and just to kind of put this into perspective uh, Tua and Joe Burrow are having good seasons, individual seasons where they're throwing for tons of yards uh, Tua is throwing to the number one and two wide receivers in terms of yardage in the NFL, Joe Burrow's throwing to the fourth and sixth best receivers in terms of yardage in the NFL and Justin Herbert's best two top receivers are both tied for 45th in yards. I mean, the the discrepancy is absolutely huge. Um, It just paints a picture of, you know, if if Justin Herbert is who he is with a pop gun for an arm, right, he needs to be throwing it downfield. And so far, they just haven't been doing that, whether that's the offensive line or something else or Joe Lombardi, they need to figure this out. And hopefully they're able to do that against a defense of, of Houston that doesn't look to be all that solid.
4: Well, it it is, I think, desperation mode a little bit for the Chargers here. I mean, we yep. mentioned the the Raiders are, are winless. You can't go one and three and expect to mm-hmm. to be able to compete in this this division, especially if the Chiefs are able to win on Sunday night, which isn't a mm-hmm. given, and and kind of gets me into my my preview here. The the biggest story heading into Chiefs and Bucks on on Sunday night football isn't really Mahomes and Brady, which I find. Weird. I mean, I, I, I think around the league, as we get closer to the game on Sunday and, and things end, I, I think it'll get a little bit more juice. But it, I just don't think these two quarterbacks who you know are looked at as some of the better quarterbacks in the league, certainly Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time, I just don't think they're playing well right now. And I, I think that because of that, I think the matchup has lost a, a little bit of juice. I think this game for Chiefs and, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is going to really come down to offensive line play. Shaq Barrett was asked about the Super Bowl, where the chiefs were decimated uh, as far as the offensive line goes. And he was asked about how much stronger this chiefs offensive line is. And he laughed into the zoom camera. Shaq Barrett laughed into the zoom camera, asked the chiefs about it this week. They really didn't feed into and and give them any kind of line as far as back and forth. And so I think they should take that very personally and play better. As I mentioned, Against Indianapolis, Patrick Mahomes was one, running for his life in a sense. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have faced uh, offensive line problems themselves, and and Tom Brady has had to get the ball out even faster for them to even operate. But I think, you know, it, we always talk about the trenches. I think whoever plays better offensive line-wise will win this football game. And I, I think the strengths of these teams right now isn't Mahomes. It, it isn't Brady. It's the defenses. And so, who is going to play a little bit better as far as offense? Will it be Mahomes or, or or Brady and sort of breakthrough in a sense? Because Mahomes really hasn't looked the same, as I said, since week one. Tom Brady doesn't look like he's having any fun at all. So can he start having fun? And we mentioned as far as the records around the division and how these games can really swing, but the Bucks and Chiefs heading into the season were considered still Super Bowl contenders. One of these teams is going to be three and one, and the other one is going to be two and two. And sort of looking inward and, and saying to themselves, "You know, are we really that?" And so I, I think that's what it comes down to. It's an early measuring stick of, "Are you really uh, one of these Super Bowl teams?" Because if you lose this game and you're two and two and you got, you got a tough stretch ahead, maybe you're not the the Super Bowl contender that you you thought you were. All right. So we have the game previews done. We've, we talked about the MVPs. We talked about our status updates and our one word for the team right now. Now we do this once a month, the last Friday of every month. So right now it's September 30th. We'll be checking back in with you on what will be October 28th. In the meantime, we will have about three or four games. Some of us have a, a bye week in there. I believe the Raiders will have a bye week before that. Uh, And so we're going to go quickly around the room and I'll read off the games that we have ahead before the next time that we meet here on the AFC West mixtape. And Bill, uh, we'll start with you. I I mentioned that you guys have the bye, but you, you of course play the Broncos then uh, at Kansas city for Monday night football bye week and the Texans. So it's the Broncos, the chiefs, and then the Texans. What's the record of the Raiders coming out of that?
2: Um, Let's be a little positive, optimistic, I guess, and say two and four. Um, that's not great, um, at all. You know, I think this team would, would have hoped to have been four and two, three and three and worse, but Hey, it is what it is at this point, You're You're own three. And if they can mm-hmm. win two out of three, they'll, they'll feel pretty okay with themselves. Um, you know, I would, if I had to guess they lose to the chiefs and then beat the two other teams. Um, but this is a huge one it, you know, it, it, this is, this sets up everything on um, this game because if they fall 0 and four, then you just forget about everything. You know, it's 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 a real hard sell inside that building, especially mm-hmm. going to Kansas City on a on a Monday night. So uh, this is really the jumping off game for the rest of the season. It's saving the season, but again, I, this isn't a horrible team. This team doesn't know how to win yet. They're gonna have to figure that out. Um, but yeah, let's say they beat the Broncos and the and the uh, Texans and go two and four next time we talk.
4: Okay, so two and four for the, the Raiders. That's that's your prediction. We'll, we'll check back when we get to October Great. 28th. I'm sure life will look a lot different then. Uh, we'll flip it and go back to the Broncos. So the Broncos' next stretch, they have four games, will be at Vegas, we talked about that game, versus the Colts at L.A., and
3: then against the New York Jets. Tim, what do you expect over the next stretch? I'm I'm kind of hoping uh, the Broncos face some adversity where they're down a couple of scores because I'd like to see what Russell Wilson does when Mm. you know the the burden of playing within the system is removed and they just need to go try to find a way to win Uh, maybe that happens this week Um, but I'm still thinking I'm still feeling reasonably optimistic I'm going to say they're going to come out of here five and two I think they handle Matt Ryan and whoever the quarterback of the Jets is by then (laughs) you know so it's just the two divisional games uh on on the road if they can just get one of those then you know they're going to be sitting pretty heading into the second half of the season and that's that's where i hope they're at
4: yeah, five and two would give the Broncos a, a real shot of of winning the AFC West and and we'll see what the, the Chiefs record is at, at that point. But who knows? Five and two may be good for first bit with the way that the Chiefs offense is playing. So we will see what happens to the Broncos. Again, they are visiting Vegas. They got the Colts at home. Visiting L.A. and then against the New York Jets. And we think Zach Wilson will be the quarterback, but it does remain to be seen by the time we get there four weeks from now. All right, Michael, let's go to you. So here's the Chargers next few games. We talked about them visiting the Texans. Then it's at Cleveland against the Broncos and then against the Seahawks at home. How did they do over
0: the next stretch? So I'm going to learn from previous mistakes of feeling as confident as I was before, (laughs) and I'm going to do a little bit of reverse psychology here. It's nothing crazy, but I'm going to say they go two and two over the next stretch, and when we meet again, they will be a three and four team. Um, I'm not super confident in the Cleveland matchup. I think without Joey Bosa having a bookend to help stop the run, I think that's a game where they could literally just say, Nick Chubb, run right, and you are going to run over um, Chris Rumph, who is going to be the edge guy over there. And Chris Rumpf had to bulk up quite a bit coming out of college. He's in his second year out of Duke, but he was about 235 pounds as a rookie. I don't see him being able to kind of hold up that edge as well. And I yeah. think that's just going to be a-, a game dominated by the, the Browns running game. Um, the other loss I have is actually to the Broncos. I am not super confident, um, in that matchup either. AFC West games are always a dog fight and the Broncos, no matter how, um, good or bad they've been playing, it's always a tough fight. And usually when the Broncos aren't looking too good, uh, that's when they kind of sneak up and take one from the chargers, even though they're two and one, they don't necessarily look like a, a true two and one team. So I think again, this might be a game where they come up and, uh, and, and they may even win pretty well, a pretty, uh. Um, by a few scores here i'm just I'm, again i'm trying to <laughs> use some reverse psychology here uh, and then there are two w's i have i have them winning this week i just think that if they were to lose the texans for the second straight year and not only just that but to this type of texans team where like everyone's kind of had them counted out uh they don't have a win this season as well they're oh two and one um, if they don't win this game, I think heads roll. I think something crazy happens with the front office. Moves will have to be made. I think it just forces that type of situation. And then I have them beating Seattle. Uh, I just think they can take advantage of an offensive line that's been better than uh, I think advertised. But it's still Geno Smith playing quarterback. I think they take advantage of a team that isn't, you know, your father Seahawks um, and come out with two wins, two losses. So yeah, a three and four record by the time we meet up again. Michael, do you think this head coach and GM make it out of the season? If I had to take any guesses about someone not being here next year, I will say Tom Telesco is not the general manager of the Chargers uh, before Brandon Staley gets fired. I don't think the Chargers Mm -hmm. like getting rid of head coaches all that quickly. Um, And I think if you were to allow Tom Telesco basically to hire his fourth head coach in a 10-year span, um, then something's still going wrong. So I think at this point, uh, Tom Telesco has had enough of a leash, has done enough attempts to you know, get this franchise where it needs to be. Um, I do believe in Brandon Staley for what it's worth. I think he is the guy. I think maybe some of the guys around him aren't correct, um, but I think mm-hmm. he knows where to take this team. Uh, so it, even if something doesn't happen this year, of course, they've already got the injury excuse. But if anyone's going to be gone next year, I think it would be Tom Telesco prior to Brandon Staley.
4: Okay, so that that's a good run through of the the Chargers next couple games and and the outlook when it comes to the front office. The Chiefs visit Tampa. We talked about that. They host the Raiders on Monday Night Football. Uh, Speaking of a game that will get a lot of hype, I believe, is a home matchup with the Buffalo Bills. I think a lot of people will have eyeballs in that game. And then uh, against the San Francisco 49ers to wrap up the, the four game stretch. I have them and I don't feel good about it. But I, I'm just trying to take a, a stab here and, and throw a dart. I have them at three and one. I could easily see them being two and two, or, or perhaps worse. They're just not playing that well right now. But I, I've seen Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid figure it out too many times to think that this sort of skid is going to turn into three or four games. I have a win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I I, I really. Don't think that Shaq Barrett should have awoken a a sleeping giant in the Chiefs. OL that really hasn't been playing well. And I think they know that they can play better. And I feel like they will on Sunday night, especially with that added motivation. Can't pick a Raiders team that's winless against the Chiefs uh, at home on a Monday night. I I just can't do it. I I feel like the Chiefs will have the ultimate advantage in that game. And the Raiders have had wins here and there over the years uh, uh, against the Chiefs. But I, I just can't see it being that one. Gave them a loss against the Buffalo Bills. I know the Bills slipped up last week, but I think largely, and and if I'm looking at all these games, I think the Bills have just looked better than the Chiefs have, generally speaking, this year. So I'll give them a loss against the Buffalo Bills. And I can't see Jimmy Garoppolo coming into Arrowhead Stadium and, and winning a game against Patrick Mahomes again. So... A very cautious, I almost feel like um, I might be making a mistake when I, I say three and one, but if the, let's say the Chiefs are, are two and one now, so if that were to happen, they would be five and two, and if Tim's prediction were to come, were to come true, then the Chiefs and Broncos at that point would be five and two uh, ahead of of the division, so that is interesting. We, we I think, learned the hard way, and the general theme of this episode was that it, it's hard to win in the NFL and maybe this division isn't as good uh, as we thought it was. We got that division matchup coming up this week. The Broncos taking on the Raiders, which we'll we'll see who comes and and is victorious in that one. So we hope you enjoyed the show for Bill Williamson of Silver and Black Pride, for Tim Lynch of Mile High Report, for Michael Peterson of Bolts from the Blue. I'm Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride. We will be back with you three or four weeks from now, October 28th on Friday for the next episode of the AFC West Mixtape. Thank you for joining us.